Well, if you are a guest with us, and if you are regular, um, I am continuing my sermon series called Growing. And um, in this sermon series called Growing, I, I don't want people to get the misunderstanding of my intention of preaching this sermon series. With the sermon series called Growing, the, the, the thought is, this is all about church growth, right? Growing the church. And, and I'll be honest with you and tell you, every pastor... Every pastor wants their church to grow. So, sure, this sermon series is about seeing our church grow. But not necessarily just in numbers. What I really, really, really want to see is the church, the mission church, grow in, in health. And so my sermon series is really focusing on the very things that bring health to the life of our church. And the reason why health is so important is because I believe the church is an organism and not an organization. And because it is a living organism, if it is healthy, it'll grow naturally. We don't have to force our children to grow. What we have to do is make sure that they grow up in a healthy environment. And when our children are healthy, they're going to grow naturally. They just grow up to be beautiful young children up into adulthood. And when they become adults, it's our hope one day that our children will get married and reproduce and have grandchildren for us in due time. Not now, right? For some. <laughs> and, and that's our hope for the church as well, too. I want you to know that my heart is not to just come and be the pastor here at Mission Church. My heart is to see Mission Church become healthy, continue to grow, reproduce itself, so that we are starting new churches all the time in, in, in discipling and reaching out to new communities that maybe we here at Mission Church could never, ever reach. But we're sending people because we have a heart to start new works. And, and that only comes when the church is healthy. So that's where, where my heart is. And so my sermon series on growing is really to grow us in the area of being a healthy church so that we can grow and reproduce ourselves. Now, the, today's sermon, as you can see up there, it's called Growing Humility, right? And, um, and, and so what I really want to do today is to talk about how growing in our humility helps us become healthier. Another thing about growing this way is that humility is at the heart and the core of who we are here at Mission Church because humility is a part of our mission statement. Now, I know that if I asked you in a pop quiz to take out a piece of paper and a pencil and write down our mission statement. Now, it's on the bulletin cover so you can look at what it says. But, but here it is. I don't know how many of you could actually recite this and tell me, oh, Pastor, the mission statement of our church is to authentically love God, humbly serve one another, and intentionally share Christ. That is who we are. That is what this church does. This is, this is what makes us tick. Authentically love God, humbly serve one another, and intentionally share Christ. And that humbly serve one another piece right there is at the heart of what my message is today. Because I believe sincerely with all my heart that when we grow in humility, we grow deeper into the mission of our church. Our church becomes healthier. And in our humility, we will see our church grow healthier 
and, and see what God does in the midst of all that we're doing. So you are invited to join in um, on the mission of who we are. If you, don't, if you didn't know that this was our mission, this is my introduction to you. And what a mission that is, right? And, and throughout the, the year, uh, as long as I'm here, I'm going to continue to point back to, to this mission statement. Because this is, why, this is what we need to be actively living our lives into, right here. Now, this, this uh, sermon that I have, Growing Humility, right? It's, when, when I read that again, like two or three times, I, I realized that growing humility sounds kind of like an oxymoron, right? You guys know what an oxymoron is? It's a, it's a phrase or a statement that kind of contradicts itself. Growing humility Humility is not so much about, you know, being out there, but humility is taking a step back, right? Um, and, and we're talking about growing it, though. So I see that as a contradiction of, of terms almost, kind of like jumbo shrimp is, is a good, is a good uh, oxymoron, a good example, right? Another good example of an oxymoron is Microsoft Works, right? Oxymoron. Amen, Steve? Amen. <laughs> Uh, my favorite oxymoron is fun run. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Contradicts itself, 100%. <laughs> and, 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 and a growing humility kind of sounds like an oxymoron. But I sincerely believe that when our church is growing in humility, it helps us live out our mission, and it helps us to grow healthier. Now, I have a problem with this sermon, though about preaching on humility. Because I can stand here and, and preach about humility, right? And act as if, as I stand here, I preach with great authority. Because normally on Sunday mornings, the pastor will stand here, preach with authority, and, and, and tell you, this is what you should do, because I have done this. And you can follow my example. But when it comes to humility, if I stand here, and preach on humility, to me, that's just as if it's a contradiction of terms that I'm standing here telling you about how to be humble. <laughs> and so today, instead of standing here to preach on humility, I've asked for a stool to be brought here because today, for the rest of my sermon, I'm going to sit here and take a posture of humility because I think this is the posture that the Lord has put on my heart anyway to bring a sermon like this. Because honestly, when it comes to humility, I'm still on my journey. I've not mastered it. So I don't want to stand here and tell you that I've got it all figured out and this is how you should do it. I want you to know, just as you're sitting today, I'm going to join you in sitting. Because I'm on my journey in humility in much the same way, I'm going to invite you to journey in humility with me. And so, as I sit here today, uh, I want to share with you our passage of Scripture. And today, we're going to read from Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 through 4. And hear the word of the Lord for us today. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he called a little child had him stand among them, and he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, 
Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Wow. The word of the Lord for us today. When you read a passage like this, I want you to know that there's a lot to unpack here, right? For, for the first thing is, why, why did the disciples ask Jesus this question? Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? We know why they asked him, because there's a parallel passage that we find in Luke chapter 9, where the same thing occurs. But, and I'll get to this, at the end of this passage, Jesus references why he's teaching, uh, why he tells the disciples this question. Um, but uh, in, in Luke chapter 9, the disciples were arguing about which one of them would be the greatest. And then this same thing happens. Jesus brings a child into their midst. So we kind of get the context that the disciples were arguing about which one of them was going to be the greatest in the kingdom. And the answer that Jesus gives is the one who's most like a child. Right? He brings a child into their midst. And he says, this is what greatness looks like in the kingdom of God. And Jesus uses a child as the, as the example for his disciples. And then Jesus uses a word that makes all of us, you and me, uncomfortable. It's right here in the passage. It's that word change. Jesus says, unless you change. How many of you say, amen, I love to change. Anybody? Any takers out there? <laughs> I don't see anybody. Because we like being who we are, right? We love the fact that we think we're, we're good. But I know that I'm on my journey. Today, I wanted to sit down because God needs to change Gordon in much the same way God needs to change you. And here in our passage, Jesus says, unless you change, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And, uh, and what a challenging word for, for the disciples in his day and for all of us, that, that we need to change because Maybe the way we see greatness doesn't fall in line with what Jesus sees greatness as. Jesus was calling his disciples to change their idea of the value of what it means to be great. And uh, <laughs> the reality of humility as being great is completely unacceptable as a virtue in our world today. Because in our world today, right, what does it mean to be great? It's not what Jesus is talking about. The world values other things when it holds up what greatness is. The world, right, even in Jesus' day, because that's what he's dealing with right now. In our day, we, we see it, but Jesus is dealing with the same thing. The world views greatness as what? Success. Popularity. Fame. Young people, if you're an influencer, right, you're great because you're on Instagram and TikTok and all of those apps that I have no idea what they are. But that's what it means to be great for a lot of people. When you have wealth and you can show forth what it looks like, people look at that and go, wow, that's, that's great. Jesus' disciples wanted to be great. 
And that's why they asked him, who's going to be the greatest among us? I bet it's me. No, not you, Simon. It's going to be me. Right? And so they're arguing. And Jesus, who's, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? And Jesus brings a child in front of them and says, right here, unless you change to become like one of these children, you will never be great in the kingdom. And so the disciples even saw status, standing, and power as greatness. And here Jesus throws them a curveball. Notice my use of baseball analogy as the Padres are in the, in the playoffs. And God bless all of you for being here today because at 11.30 the game starts. So I'm going to preach quickly for you, okay? <laughs> Take your time. <laughs> Jesus throws them a curveball and teaches this beautiful spiritual principle, right? That, that contradict the values of our world. And, and some people call this the upside-down kingdom. You've heard that term used before, maybe, right? The upside-down kingdom. I dare say that this is nothing to be upside-down about. In fact, for Jesus, this is the right-side-up kingdom. This is the way the kingdom of God ought to look like. And it's all over the Bible that when you, when you read the word of God, you come across the many different ways that when Jesus talks about greatness, it has nothing to do with your checkbook and how much money is in it or the kind of car you drive or the work that you do. Greatness in the kingdom of God looks completely different from what greatness looks like in our world. And, and all you have to do is open your Bible to Matthew chapter 5 and see the Beatitudes, the blessedness. Who are the blessed people in the world today? Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. That's not what the world teaches, right? Blessed are those who, 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 the peacemakers of our world. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of me. Great is their reward in kingdom, in the kingdom. But our world, in our day, we have it all backwards. We're living in the upside down world. You go to someone's house that has a huge swimming pool and, and beautiful cars and a mansion, and you say, wow, what a beautiful home and all these beautiful things. And you know what their response is always? Thanks, I'm blessed. No, 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 no. Not according to the kingdom and the values of Jesus. Blessedness is, is something completely different. In fact, Matthew 23, 13 to 11 to 13, Jesus tells us what greatness looks like. He says, the greatest among you will be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. You see, that's the value of the mission of our church, to humbly serve one another. Because that's what Jesus told us to do. And this very message of, of humbling yourself to serve other people, is, which, which leads to greatness, is what I consider the good news of Jesus Christ for all of us here. 
And the reason why I say to you that's good news is because not everybody that is here today, not everybody <laughs> has the capacity, the personality, the, the unction, or whatever it takes to be great in the eyes of the world. Not everybody can be a successful businessman. Not, uh, not everybody can be popular and famous. Not, not everybody here can do some of the things that the, the people in our world think is great. Not everybody can do that. But every single person here that hears my voice, and you online that's watching, we can all have a humble heart and serve one another. And that is what Jesus says leads to greatness. And that's good news. Because Ricardo, you can be great as you serve others. Right? Don, you can be great. Janet, you can be great. And what it takes is not the, the understanding of, of how to lead a Fortune 500 company. It's when you gathered this afternoon with our children in caravan and you served them with love, the love that you've received from Jesus, Janet. And when you do that for our children, we see that as greatness in the kingdom of God. That's, what, that's, that's, that's the right side up kingdom that we're, we're talking about here. And many of us continue to do that on a daily basis. Jesus said, the greatest among you will be your servant. And so to grow in humility requires us to see life through the lens of the kingdom of God and not through the eyes of our world. Looking through the lens of Jesus, we see greatness looks like serving with the humility of a child. And that's why Jesus brought the child in the midst of all of disciples there. And so let's, let's unpack that even more. What does it mean to, to, be, to have the humility of a child? When, when Jesus brings a child and says, unless you become like one of these, you'll never see the kingdom of heaven. And it all depends on, on what kind of children you've been around, right? <laughs> Some children, you're like, oh, I don't know if that's going to lead me into the kingdom. <laughs> but that's not what Jesus is talking about here. The context for this. And the disciples understood it. Because the way the, day, the people saw children in Jesus' days is completely different from how we see our children today. I would dare say we value our children much more than they did in those days. In fact, in the days of Jesus, children were at the bottom of the totem pole in, in families. In fact, they only rise just above the servants of the home. That's how they saw children. And so when Jesus says, unless you have the humility of a child, that's what he's talking about. The context of the status of where the children are. They're at the very, very bottom. You know that in Jesus' days, they didn't have cars to get around, or bicycles, or mopeds, or however you get around. They had sandals. <laughs> and they walked everywhere. And as they did, and they didn't have paved roads, they had dusty roads, their feet would get caked up with mud and dirt, 
So, John, if I came to your home and, and I, I got to your home with you and Lori and you invited me and Michelle over for dinner, we would walk from San Carlos all the way up to you. <laughs> and our feet would be messed, a mess, right? And in most homes, right, the, the host would have your foot washed before you entered the home. That's what would happen. And, and, and if, you were, if you were rich, you would have your servant do it. But if you, like most people at the time, didn't have any servants, then your youngest child would do the honors of washing the feet of the people that came to your home. That's the context of the humility of a child. And so when you look at John 13, when Jesus washes his disciples' feet, right? When you look at that story, what a beautiful message on humility, by the way, as you go back and, and you we most of us, if you haven't read that yet, read John 13. And it's the beautiful story of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. But you know, in that story, do you remember the protest that Simon Peter makes? Right? I, I put the passage up here. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. And then, moving on, <laughs> no, Peter said, you shall never wash my feet. Do you know why G Simon Peter protested Jesus washing his feet? It would be the same protest that you would make if the Son of God bent down on his hands and knees with a basin and a towel and tried to wash your feet. Same. You'd go, no, 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 no. I mean, if anything, I ought to be washing your feet. How are you, Jesus, the Son of God, going to wash my feet? No, 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 no. The Son of God should never, never, never Stoop down so low as to wash the disciples' feet. That's, um, what's a good word for that? That's humiliating. Don't you think? For the Son of God to wash the feet of his disciples. <laughs> but isn't that exactly what we're talking about right now? Humiliating comes from humility. And Jesus takes on the very nature of a child. The humility of a child. The very thing he tells his disciples that unless you become like, you'll never see the kingdom of God. Wow. And so the challenge for all of us, is to change and to grow in humility. And you know, sometimes humility comes through doing things that our world thinks is humiliating. We see Jesus humbling himself in this way, washing his disciples' feet, humbling himself, and then he calls his disciples to follow his example. Right? Do to others what I have just done for you. And church, I've said this again and again and again. I'll say it again <laughs> one more time. This is exactly why 
I love, love, love Jesus so much. He never, ever, ever asks us to do anything that he himself doesn't do for us. As humiliating as it is, washing the feet of other people. Before he tells his disciples, that's what you ought to do, he does it himself. Before he calls us to die to ourselves, he does it himself. Before he asks you to forgive anybody, he hangs on the cross. He looks down at the very people that have nailed his hands and feet to the cross. And he prays, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. What an example Jesus is. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. Jesus is our amazing example. And so humility, humility is surrendering our values down to the values of Jesus. And taking on the values of Jesus. Taking on the values of the kingdom. And not accepting the worldly values that are handed down from generation to generation. The Apostle Paul understood this as well too. When he learned about humidity. Humility. Humidity. (laughs) He learned about humidity, I'm sure, uh, on those humid days in Palestine. But humility as he learned about surrendering his life to Jesus. Galatians 2.20, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The Apostle Paul, he had a lot to brag about. He accomplished a lot of great things, and he could have stood up on his soapbox and told you all of the amazing things that he has accomplished in his life, all the things that he had learned, all the things that he had did, right? But instead, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 7, he says, But whatever gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. And what's more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage. Now, you translate that. Garbage is a good word, a nice word here. It's actually like poop. Right? That's the word for it. That I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Here it is, verse 10. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained all of this or have arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. When I read this passage right here, it reminds me that the Apostle Paul was on a journey, a journey that he's taken with the Lord. And that's the journey that I pray that we can take together. You see, I'm not there yet, especially in this area of humility. I have a long 
way to go. And I recognize that. And if you're honest with yourself, you do too. Because if you think you're already there, you need more humility. (laughs) And so the journey of humility, that's what it is, right? That's what the Apostle Paul is on. That's what we're all on. In growing in humility, it's a lifelong journey. And you know when it ends? (laughs) It ends when we meet Jesus face to face. That's when the journey ends and we all press forward to be on that journey. But as I close today, I want you to know that those who commit themselves, those who commit themselves to this journey of humility, those who seek out and and want to identify and be humble people, right, There is a beautiful response from God to those who commit to this journey of humility. It's found in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 through 16. Very familiar passage. One that I would love to read for you. So hear the word of God today. This is the reward. This is God's favor. This is the response from God for those who seek to be humble. If my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. I have chosen and consecrated this temple so that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will always remain there. More than anything. (laughs) May the presence of the Lord fill this place. Last Sunday you had someone else speaking on this stage. The potters, missionary couples that have given their lives to serve God humbly and so beautifully. Next week, it could be someone else. I'm scheduled to speak. But. And you say, Pastor, we want you here, right? And that's good. I, I, I love preaching. I love to be here. But I'll be honest with you and tell you this. It really doesn't matter who's here. Preaching. What matters is the presence of God in this place. I mean, you can have Billy Graham come back from life and speak to you here. But if Jesus is not here, what's the point? And if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, that's where God meets us. And that's what we're called to do today. Church, humility grows in us as we surrender our will to the will of God. Our desires to the desires of God. Humility grows in us as we seek him with our whole hearts and be reminded be reminded that he is God and we are not. Humility, church, is a commitment to change. To be humble and humble ourselves like a child and be a servant to those around us. It is our commitment 
here at Mission Church to be a church that humbly serves one another. It is our commitment to God to be on a journey of growing our humility. Today, as we close, my prayer is that you search your heart. Where are you in that journey? Are you like me that says, Father, I need to grow in this area. I need to surrender again. And give my life to you so that I can be the person you would have me to be. So that this place can be filled with your presence. Help us to be humble, Lord, we pray.